Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your NBA playoffs first round 2-7 series preview best bet show brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Today's show, we'll talk about the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Memphis Grizzlies in the 2-7 matchup after the Lakers got the win over the Wolves in a fantastic game that I thoroughly enjoyed on Tuesday night. And we'll talk about the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Boston Celtics. In the other 2-7 matchup is the Hawks tried, but finally tried. Just welcome, Hawks. Thanks for trying, finally. We'll talk about those series. We'll give you best bets, break them all down, and more on today's show. And we'll do that with our two panelists today. Joining us, the regular temperature, Jay Money. Find him on Twitter, at JMoneyIsMoney. Jay, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. No complaints out of me. Uh, feeling better than ever. Just trying to get some money. Uh, went 47 and 14 last playoffs, so just trying to replicate that. A lot of pressure on me, so just trying to trying to keep it going. Uh, and the always exuberant Brandon Anderson, NBA futures analyst, who has been basically in every Slack text. I'm I'm gonna need you to pick up the energy, bud. Like I'm gonna need some more enthusiasm. The level of nihilism is a little like even for me, it's a little high, bud. I need you to bring that energy up for me. We got playoffs, good basketball. Let's the, let's the bring energy. It up a bit. The energy is up. It's just not the energy you're wanting from me. We just got to recalibrate the energy. I, I had a blast watching Timberwolves Lakers last night. I just didn't watch it the way that you would have expected me to watch it as a quote unquote Timberwolves fan. Quote unquote, I thought it was at this point. I, I, I've leaned into it. I've been very clear on my quoting and unquoting with the Timberwolves and the Bulls. I am an NBA fan. I am dumping on my two teams that I've liked my whole life. And last night, it, as a person that likes to troll LeBron and a person that likes to troll my Timberwolves franchise, that game was just like three hours of candy of watching. It was just like, 
one of them has to lose this game. Oh, man, what a great way to watch the game. It just was wild. I honestly, I thought my Timberwolves would pull it off, but they couldn't hang on. So, so we are. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm having fun. They played, I thought they put in a pretty good effort. Everyone's killing them for that fourth quarter performance. And I'm just like, they're shorthanded on travel two days, like two days removed from a very intense game versus the Pelicans they had to win without three key rotation guys versus a really tough whist. Like, I don't know. I, this Wolves team can, I, 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 I am more of a Wolves fan at this point than Brandon is, but we're going to talk yeah. about those guys maybe later if they can get the job done on Friday. Uh, reminder, we'll have best bets episodes for the game ones that we know of. Can't do the one eights because we're not going to know them until Friday night, but we'll have a game one episode on Thursday. It's going to break down. We'll have the whole panel, whole big group of folks uh, contributing to that one. We'll have lots of best bets for you on Thursday's show. Uh, and on Thursday night, we're recording a best bets episode for the Friday playing game. So, uh, heat versus the we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So heat versus the bulls or Raptors and wolves versus Pelicans or thunder. We'll have those best bets for you on Friday as well. I've got series previews up in the action network app on several series already. Add more. We're doing round tables on NBA futures. There's a ton of stuff. Check it out in the action network app. All right. Enough house cleaning. Let's get to it. Let's start with Lakers. It's the one that's way more interesting. Lakers get the win last night over the Minnesota Timberwolves. They advanced to the 2-7 versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, no Brandon Clark in this series. No Stephen Adams in this series. Lakers are as healthy as they can be for the 45 seconds that Anthony Davis is ever fully available. Uh, we'll go around the table. We'll give our best bets for the series, and then we'll circle back um, and talk about what we think the cap is. We'll do most important player angles in the elevator pitch. Uh, Jay, let's start with you. What's your best bet for Grizzlies versus Lakers? Yeah, full disclosure, I'll let people know that I don't really like to bet series prices just just because they change uh, so much. I mean, like if the Lakers lose game one, you're going to get a lot better price, right? So I just want to let people know that. But I do think the Lakers will win this series, so I will take the Lakers on their series price uh, plus whatever in this one. But like I say, another disclosure, I do think they lose the game one, so you can get a better price if they lose game one. That's why That's why the series prices are so tricky. Okay. All right. So Jay's leaning on, on – uh... Lakers, but I will say, you know, we found this through through doing buckets for years is that there's an opportunity if you do think that you're like, well, you can get a better price later. There's opportunities for you to build both ways, right? And you can, if you just want one side, definitely you can wait if you think that you got an angle on on it. Um, there's opportunities there, but you know, I think that pre series, pre flop gives you certain advantages, and post flop gives you certain advantages. Uh, Brandon, what's your best bet for Grizzlies Lakers? I'm in a pretty similar spot, actually. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take the Lakers. No, no series, games, whatever. Just give me the Lakers plus one fifteen right now is the best I see. But also, I am gonna tiptoe in a little more. I thought that this was gonna be just a bet I'd slam here. I have similar reservations, game one and early in the series. So I think that there will be spots to add to my Lakers position later. But I will play them to start out here. Yeah, um, and we're going to sweep this one. I'm on Lakers as well. I've already bet the the series price. I got a 115 last night. Make sure to shop around because um, I do expect – let's start. I want to ask this question before we do the most important thing. Jay, do you think that by this – the when this game tips off on Sunday, do you think the Lakers are going to be favored in the series price? I don't think so because it was pretty close already, and it, it seems like the money has been going towards the Grizzlies um, way there. So I don't think so. Um, I don't think a lot of people have faith in them. Is even though a lot of people are betting them to win the championship, I don't. I feel like they're going to look at John Morant, Desmond Bain, guys like that, Dylan Brooks, and and give them the edge. But um, I do think the Lakers come out on top regardless of what people think. 
and they're getting help from the refs as well. Brandon, do you, do you think that this is going to wind up with Lakers being favored in the market? You know, I thought so last night, you know, when it opened and the Lakers were just a slight plus number, it seemed like it would move that way. I know in our Slack, we were saying even by overnight, like get the plus number now. And I was like, oh, great. By the time that we record this now at noon the next day, it'd be missing. And it really, it's, it's trickled a little bit the other direction. So I would say, and realize too, obviously we're, we're building in the juice here too. So the Grizzlies are our solid favorites at this point. Like even though we're at a plus 108, plus 110, 115, Grizzlies are are well out ahead. So I don't think we're going to quite get there. And I also do like the Grizzlies actually kind of a lot in game one. So I, I think that if other people share that angle, that's another reason it won't move too far to the Lakers. You seem like you think that they will be the lead by Sunday. Yeah, I kind of lean that way. I think the Lakers money will come in late. Um, I think it'll just kind of slowly ramp up as more and more people take the Lakers. I think the typically sharp betters bet early and late, right? So like I'm kind of expecting, like I want to bet, we'll talk about why, I want to bet Lakers in game one. Um, I'm going to wait till the very end because I think that we'll get a bounce back up to where um, a higher number than where we're bouncing at right now. Um, that number opened in various spots. It was kind of variant. There was a two and a half in the market last night. And then uh, right now it's sitting at three and a half. So I, I do kind of think that we're going to see uh, a little bit more money coming on Memphis, especially, you know, you two guys like Memphis. So two pretty sharp guys. So these sharp money will come in and they'll push that up and I'll probably grab the Lakers on the money line after that. So let's do the most important thing. Brandon, let's start with you. What do you think is the most important thing in this matchup? Yeah. So as I was kind of prepping, just, I got my little profile for each team here of like, how, how do they win? Why did they lose? What are, you know, what is my most important thing for each team? And my most important things for each team line up really terribly overall for the Grizzlies. So for the Lakers, how do they win? They're going to win at the line. They're going to win on the glass. They're going to win because of elite defense. That's the new version that they've built since the trade. The Grizzlies are bad at all three of those things. They are not an efficient scoring offense. They're not rebounding now that they're missing Brandon Clark and Steven Adams. And we know, we already know what the, the free throws are going to look like in this series. The Grizzlies aren't strong at that anyway, and we know how the whistle is going to go. So I like all of that for the Lakers. On the flip side, most important thing for the Grizzlies, how do they win? They win by getting extra possessions. I'm not sure they're going to do that so much if the Lakers can control the turnovers especially. They win by Jaron Jackson dominating in the paint. Well, can't do that if you're on the bench. Can't do it if you're in foul trouble all game. That could be a problem. And they went with the turnovers. I do think they can do that. They had a 26 game or 26 turnover game against the Lakers. But to me, the Lakers things they need to do well to win at check all the boxes here. The things the Grizzlies need to do to succeed. They're a little bit uh oh for me. So I think that's the most important thing is just seeing the matchup there. Jay, what do you think is the most important thing in this matchup? I think it's the most important thing for the Lakers is to keep the Grizzlies out of transition. That's where they get most of their points. If you can make the Grizzlies play in the half court, that's the Lakers' path to win this uh, win this series. I think it's one that they're going to figure out more uh, as the season uh, as the series goes on. We know the coaching edge. You have to give it to Taylor Jenkins over there, right? Uh, Ham is the first year head coach, so I feel like he needs a fill out type of game. That's why I do feel like the Lakers will lose game one, even though they'll be on with like four or five days of rest. But I feel like as the as the series goes on, that's 
where Ham will get a lot better with his game planning and things like that. But you have to keep the Grizzlies out of transition. Uh, John Moran and guys like that, uh, they're really explosive in the transition game. But half-court offense, I do not trust the Grizzlies at, at all. And they're also going to really miss Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark on the boards in this game and guarding AD as well. Uh, my most important thing is uh, kind of in line with what Jay said, which is just like the Grizzlies injury, injury situation is a disaster for this matchup. No Steven Adams. You don't have that advantage on the rebounding. Uh, you don't have that advantage with creating half-court stuff with him next to John Morant. You don't have Brandon Clark for the small ball lineups. Their best lineup ultimately is Brandon Clark at four and Jaron Jackson at five, and you can't get to that lineup now because Clark's out. Uh, that gives a big edge to Jared Vanderbilt. Like he's going to be able to, to play in the series. He's going to be able to – all the hustle stuff – there is kind of this feeling around the league and people I've talked to in terms of personnel of like, look, Jared Vanderbilt's very good. He's really effective because he's primarily, primarily like a, a high level hustle player. This stuff kind of goes away once you get into the playoffs. But if you have a big advantage here with Brandon Clark, there's a huge advantage there. I think for the Lakers in this matchup, that to me is a big key. Um, I just don't find that the, the Grizzlies are going to be able to stop Anthony Davis with the kind of whistle that he gets. Um, I do think they're going to be in foul trouble. I do think that this is going to be a big issue. I tweeted this last night, you know, since the all-star break, the Grizzlies have one of the highest uh, free throw rates allowed in the league. Guess who's number one, huge margin. Yeah. Lakers are going to live at the free throw line in this series. Okay. Yeah. Let me add a couple of numbers to the, what you guys both just talked about with the rebounding situation. So March 3rd forward. Why March 3rd? March 3rd is the first game with no Brandon Clark, and we've already been without Steven Adams. So we're only a month here, and of course we're missing John Moran for part of it. But in that stretch, the Grizzlies went from being a top five offensive rebounding team. That's what they do. That's what they build the offense on since March 3rd, 26th in the NBA. Bottom five offensive rebounding team. It's a huge swing. They're only 18th defensive rebounding for the season. So they already weren't great there. The Lakers, since they got Vanderbilt, they're top 10 offense and defensive rebounding. So that those numbers really stand out. The other thing is March 3rd forward, Grizzlies had been number two at defensive effective field goal percentage. That's what they've been doing. They shut it down. The Lakers, since they got their guys, they're number one in that stat. March 3rd forward, the Grizzlies dropped from number two from the season, number 16th. They went from elite to just fine, league average. And I think that's exactly what you guys are saying with no Clark, no Adams, those numbers really paint a grim picture The the Grizzlies were winning games, but I think it was masked by their own offensive field goals went up. They were scoring. Do we believe that's going to keep going? I don't know that any of the three of us do. And if the defense and rebounding has slipped, like the numbers say, that's trouble. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. 
Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Let's talk about game one because both of you guys mentioned this, and I think it's it's pretty, pretty key here. Um, Jay, let's start with you. You seem like you like Memphis a lot in game one. Why? Well, I mean, I think the Grizz is going to come out here firing, in my opinion. So, and and the older team like the Lakers, I think it's going to give them a get. A, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to kind of catch up. Like, I don't want that many days off, right? We saw them came out really sluggish last night as well. I do think the Lakers win the series, but that game one in Memphis is going to be rocking. The crowd is going to be rocking. I feel like that's their best advantage early in this uh, series. Whereas later in the series, that's when the Lakers, who have the experience, right? Anthony Davis, LeBron James, even guys like Schroeder as well. Uh, but I feel like they're really going to start to figure out the matchup advantages. Is like I said, the coach as well. He's going to start figuring things out as the series goes on. But the Grizzlies have the major advantage in game one, in my opinion. Even though they have a longer layoff, they're a younger team, a run-and-gun type of team. So it's not necessarily like where, you, where, where you're older, you have to kind of warm up a little bit here. We saw that yesterday with the uh, with the Lakers as well. So, yeah, I like Grizzlies uh, in game one. I actually put a little something on a minus to three. So – We'll talk more about the game ones in our game one pod post all-star. The Lakers give up the third most points off of turnovers for hundred possessions in the league. That's how Memphis lives at home is they want to create turnovers, get out in transition, run down your throat. That's what they've done all year long. So there is an edge there. I think I'm still a little hesitant because I just do not love Memphis in hype spots. They get way ahead of, out over their skis. Uh, you look back to last year, Wolves hit them with a different matchup. They lose that game one at home. Everyone's like really shocked, except for us, who we were talking about the Wolves in that series from the get-go. I don't remember if Brandon joined me on that one or not. Um, second round, they face the Warriors. Golden State comes in, and they steal one in game one, and that effectively ends the series. But that game, that series, if Jod had been healthy, might have gone seven. If it wasn't for that game one, the Warriors steal it. Now, I don't think the Lakers are as good as that Warriors team was last year, but I don't necessarily know if this Grizzlies team is as good as that team was last year because of the injuries with Brandon Clark and Steven Adams. You know, the Luke Kennard thing is is going to be a really big deal here where the Grizzlies are going to have to hit, like they're going to have to, you got to win the math game. Like you, just, you have to. Wolves, that's how they almost won that last night is they won the math game hitting threes. Grizzlies half-court offense has been much better over the back half of the year since they traded for Luke Kennard. It's a big deal. Like Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard are going to have to be huge factors in the series. I'm not necessarily sold that I think Memphis is like going to, like you say like Memphis is going to come out firing. I don't know that that's a good thing. Like I don't like it when I, when I know that Memphis is going to be too amped. Um, look at the Lakers game with the Shannon Sharp debacle. They're too jacked up. They're on national TV. They're facing the Lakers, all this excitement. And they implode. They completely lose their heads. Like, this is a consistent problem with that team. I do not like them in moments where there is a lot of expectation, where it's a big spotlight. They get a little too amped. Brandon, why do you like Memphis in game one? Yeah, I want to respond to uh, things you both said there, because it's it's a lot of why I I worry a little bit about the Lakers early in the series and like them more later. So we start with the shooters thing. So I, I made a note of that. I, last night, watching the Timberwolves game, and the Timberwolves just keep hitting threes, hitting threes. And we got Torian Prince, slow-mo, Mike Conley went 12 of 20 on the night. And not only are they hitting them, they're, they're rhythm threes, they're open threes. And the Lakers are kind of like peeking over and like, mm, go ahead, take the shot. And I'm like, oh boy, we got Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard now. These were our three-point shootout picks. Don't do that. Don't do that, please. 
Here's the numbers from two games when the Lakers played the Grizzlies post-All-Star break. So these are actual applicable numbers here. This is the real Lakers team. In those games, the Grizzlies shot 15 of 68 on three-pointers, 22%. Here's the real concerning number. Listen to not the number of makes, but the number of attempts. Desmond Bain, two games, 0 for 7. Seven's not enough. Seven and two games from Desmond Bain, not enough. Luke Kennard, two of eight. Dylan Brooks, five of 16. If they get Dylan Brooks taking as many three-pointers as Kennard and Bain combined, that is not the math you'll want for the Grizzlies. For the season, Bain and Kennard, 44.1% threes. Everyone else on the Grizzlies, 32.9%. So the Lakers, they allow a ton of three-pointers, but they are three-point attempts, but they're number two in percentage allowed. And I'm wondering if that might be by design. Do you close out on the two shooters and then say, Ja, shoot away. Brooks, please, please keep shooting Dylan. So I do wonder if there's a little bit of that. To Jay's points, I do share some of those concerns early in the series. I think the pace is a problem. The Lakers have played a little slower since their trades, but I think that they need to do what they did a little bit last night, stop running and going crazy, just grind it down and be like, okay, no, actually we're just going to do the playoff thing now and beat you this way. It might take a bit to figure that out. And I do worry a little bit about the coaching the rotations. I didn't love Darwin Ham rotations last night. I'm not going to lie. And maybe there's just not a lot of Lakers to love. Maybe that's what I don't love. But I do think early in the series, I we know what the Grizzlies are. They're going to know what they are coming out. Whereas I think the Lakers might need to figure it out a little bit. And that's traditionally, that's what LeBron does. He kind of figures things out. Mm-hmm. Matt, you and I have been saying about this Grizzlies team for a couple of seasons now. This is kind of a fraudulent profile. And if there's a fraudulent profile, possibly guess who's going to figure it out? It's LeBron James. Why do I possibly not want to go with Lakers right away game one in the series? Here's the key stat for you. This is the one that I just had tucked away for years that I that is always something I need to keep in mind. We're on the road here. LeBron James, for his career, game one playoff series on the road, three and 14 straight up. Woo! LeBron James, one of the greatest players in NBA history, Three and 14 on the road in game one. Now they're nine and eight in the series. They still won more than half of those series. They're seven and three when it's not the finals and they're not playing like the Warriors or the Spurs. Even though he's losing those game ones, they still come back. So uh, that's why I'm waiting in a little bit here. And uh, normally this might be a spot I'd do, okay, how about Grizzlies game one, Lakers series? I might just be out on the Lakers if it goes really badly early on. And I I think I'd rather just play the rollover, but that's why I'm, I'm being a little cautious early uh, the, the LeBron history and some of those adjustments, but why I still like the big picture later. I mean, I feel like it's gonna be a long series. I don't think the Lakers are good enough to go in and win game one, win both at home, closing out in five, right? Like man, I go ahead. No, I just wanted to say one thing uh, that when you mentioned the Grizzlies losing both of their game ones last year, that's all the more reason why I feel like they're going to come out here, throw everything. They're going to throw the kitchen sink in the Lakers, like probably show their whole hand in this game one. This game one is an absolute must win for the Grizzlies. I think they're going to blow them out by 15 to 20 points. Then the Lakers will come back and make their adjustments. Trying to find an angle on the series has been tough for me. Uh, so like Lakers plus one and a half on the series spread was where I would have started, but it's minus two Oh five at one book. Like, yeah. It's just, it, it, the the books are like we know you want to bet the Lakers we're, we're aware you want to bet the Lakers you're gonna have to pay for it you know like uh which is is interesting because they still make the, the Grizzlies a favorite the Grizzlies are a two seed 
it, it's just kind of wild that we're getting these kind of numbers. And I don't want to go so far the other way where usually I'd be like, well, all right, let's lean on the outcomes where it gets completely away from Memphis and the Grizzlies or the Lakers do win this short, right? Like minus one and a half Lakers and six is plus 200. I just don't really, I don't feel great about the, no. uh, about the Lakers being able to get to three wins before game six. So like, I think the series goes long. I think the series goes tough. Um, I just, I wind up being like, you know, the, the overall range of outcomes still kind of favors the Lakers at a plus number. Um, I do think that probably the conversation about, about game one is enough for me. Like, I think I'm going to back off of that. I'm not going to go ahead and take the, the Lakers in game one. I think I'm going to go ahead and back off of that one. Um, I still feel like the Lakers are going to win the series just because like the Grizzlies, honestly, they just have fewer, they don't have as many answers. They just, they, they don't like, they don't have as many options they can go to. Do, do you agree, Matt? So all of us are on the Lakers. I, I don't think any of us would think that this is a slam dunk. There's no way the Grizzlies can win the series. Despite three and zero of us on the, on the side of the Lakers, we're not saying that. I think that I would say, if you do like the Grizzlies, if you think they're going to win the series, I think it has to be a shorter series. So here's why. I don't think anyone thinks the Grizzlies are going to sweep the Lakers and LeBron out of the playoffs. So that rules that option out if that's not going to happen. Game seven in Memphis, LeBron has won six straight game sevens. He's only ever lost a game seven in that initial Cavs stint. So you don't really want LeBron in game seven necessarily. Okay, how about Grizz in six? All right, now we're in Los Angeles. We're going to go out to RIP Staples Center, whatever it's called now. Grizzlies are 16 and 25 on the road. We're going to win a road closeout game six. I don't love that. Well, we have one option left, guys. We're down to Grizzlies in five. I saw our Jim Turvey put that bet in. I think if you like the Grizzlies, you like them shorter. You like them to win game one, hopefully win game two, go get one in LA, come home and take care of it. And the Lakers are just too old, too tired, too slow. I think that's what you'd have to like if you want the Grizzlies here. At one book, and this will probably be a fan duel by the time that game one tips, you can get over six and a half games. So seven for the series to go seven at plus 200. Hmm. So like that's a, that's a pretty good return on a series where it's hard to find value. If you're just like, I don't think Memphis takes care of business. I don't think the Lakers take care of business. And that's honestly, maybe my read on this is like, neither one of these teams deserve your trust. Like you're, I want to play against the various levels of trust in the market. That's, <laughs> that's what I want to do here. So I do think that coming in on Lakers after game one is maybe the move. Let's talk about some player angles. Um, Brandon, actually, I'll, I'll go first on this one. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, I think he's going to have a huge series. I mentioned the Brandon Clark advantage there. I think Jared Vanderbilt rebounds is going to be a, a, a thing I want to get in on um, when that's made available in the market. Uh, additionally, I'll probably be playing D'Angelo Russell unders consistently. Without mm -hmm. Steven Adams, they're going to play less drop. They'll play more switch. They'll play a little bit more aggressive because Jaron lets them do that. D'Lo can only play versus drop. That's the only that's the only scheme where he's of any value is versus a soft, soft drop. So a lot of value, I think, in playing D'Angelo Russell. This is not a D'Angelo Russell series. Not that there's ever been a playoff series that was a D'Angelo Russell series. <laughs> um, think that's probably not a good one. I don't want to get into the Anthony Davis props because I just feel like they're going to be overjuiced. I feel like we're, you're going to have to pay through the nose for a lot of AD stuff because of the advantage that he has and popularity and the Lakers effect. So um, those are some of the plays that I'm going to be looking at for this series. Brandon, what do you got for player angles? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up D'Angelo Russell. I was going to ask you what you thought about him because I remember last year we were all in on D'Angelo Russell overs against Memphis, but it was the Steven Adams thing and it did not go well for us. He had 12 points or less in all but one of the games. So yeah, no Adams now, definitely not a spot. I think 
I don't do a lot of live prop bets, but I, I was kind of encouraged. I, I mentioned the Darvin Ham rotations. I like that they were just like, oh, nope, not a D'Lo night. Get him out of here. And he just didn't come back in. I think D'Lo could be a live bet where if he hits a couple shots early, you're like, all right, well, maybe you ride the hot hand. And if it doesn't go well, if he's not hitting the jumper, there's nothing else you want D'Lo on the court for. So I think like a live under would be maybe a way for that. Uh, for me, the guy that I'm playing probably is just going to be Austin Reeves. Mm-hmm. Austin Reeves to me is the third most important player in the Lakers. I think that is relatively clear now. And encouragingly, I think the Lakers figured that out too. He played 39 minutes in the play-in game. He took the third most field goal attempts in the play-in game. He didn't shoot well, but he got the shots up. He had a great game. He had 12 points, three assists. But last 10 games of the season, he averaged 34 minutes a game. He scored 18.3 points, 6.1 assists. He shot 57, 49, 90. We probably won't stick with that forever. And the free throws obviously are not going to be what they've been. But I just think Reeves is going to be on the court a lot. And I think the deeper the playoffs go, the more that they're going to narrow in on, get Austin on the court. LeBron in that rating for the season per pivot analysis is plus 4.8. LeBron plus Reeves. And this is the whole season. So this counts the bad parts of the year and everything goes from plus 4.8 to plus 9.1. Just put Austin Reeves out there with LeBron. And if you put Anthony Davis out there too, now we're at plus 20. That's, that's the trio that you want out there. So I think Reeves points, Reeves assists, maybe points assists together. That's probably the one I'm looking at. I don't think I'll play this other one right away, but John Morant, the numbers have been down since he came back from, from that time away for a lot of reasons. So I don't know what the reasons are yet. And maybe it'll just disappear now, but down to like 21 points a game from 27. So I'm a little concerned about that, but it's also a matchup that he could really exploit. So I'm not going to play that early, but it's one I've got my eye on. Jay, I got a question for you. Do you think Taylor Jenkins would bench Dylan Brooks if the series gets bad enough for him? (laughs) I don't think they'll bench him because they need his defense. It's crazy, but Dylan Brooks has actually been an offensive force for the team lately. Like, I don't like it. I don't like the way the guy plays at all. I hadn't liked him since he's been at Oregon, but um, I don't think there's no way that they can just because he's added a little bit of offensive punch. He's making threes, and, I mean, he's the best perimeter defender on the team. So I think no shot, but I just want to – I want to say that Austin Reeves is the most important player on the Lakers for the simple fact that they have – you already know what you're going to get from LeBron from Anthony Davis as well, but Anthony Davis is the ex – I mean, uh, Austin Reeves is the X factor because no one's really expect. I mean, teams may be hard now to expect them, but it's just, they have so many weapons that you have to worry about. It's like it, it, Reeves can't help but to go in there and, and do what he does, draw fouls, get assists, uh, get some rebounds, things like that, man. So I actually think that he's the most important player. That's what I saw yesterday. Reeves is the most important player because you're not going to double team him, right? You have to worry about LeBron, AD, still Russell. You still have to worry about him when you when he's out there. Dennis Schroeder, guys like that. I think Reeves is actually elevated the Lakers to a whole nother level. Dylan Brooks versus the Lakers this season, minus 13.9 net rating, the worst on the team. They get killed when Dylan's on the floor. So Brandon, I, (laughs) when we get a a points line on Dylan, I will probably be taking the under. Um, I genuinely think he may have to not play in this series. I think they may have to go to something that's like, a two guard lineup with Tyus and jaw with Desmond at three and go that route. I think you're going to have to have as much spacing as possible. If they don't, it just reinforces the value. I think on the Lakers bet, if they won't bench Dylan, because I, I think they're going to Tony Allen him. 
Like, I think they're going to leave. I think they're going to literally leave him. I think they're going to wrestle Westbrook him. I think they're going to leave him open and dare him to, to shoot. And I don't have confidence that Dylan can make him pay. And I think Dylan's confidence will get shook. So I think playing some Dylan unders in this series might be the play. So I'm going to agree and push back all at once. I, I have nothing good to say about Dylan Brooks. The man is a minus 3.9 box plus minus for the season. Do you have any idea how hard it is to be a negative 3.9? Like that is that like zero is like a replacement starter. Minus two is like you are a fringe rotation guy. Minus 3.9 is horrendous. He leads the team in minutes. They're the number one SRS and net rating in the West. He plays the most minutes and has horrendous advanced metrics. And that's not new. Like that's every year. Every year I do a 30th all-team NBA who are the worst starters. And every year Dylan Brooks is right in contention there. And I know, I know all the advanced metrics, blah, blah, blah. He's a really good defender. The metrics say what they say. The net ratings, all the things. When he's on the court, it's not great. I'm not playing the unders. I might actually play the overs because I don't think Taylor Jenkins is going to hook him. I've never seen it. Why would you keep playing him all this season, all last season, all the playoffs? Remember how the Grizzlies went out last year in the playoffs? It was with Dylan Brooks taking like a thousand shots, just like just a death by a thousand Dylan Brooks's cuts. Now, granted, John Morant was out for a lot of those. Let's yeah, I I understand. But but they're they're not, they're not giving Brooks the hook. And again, in those, those two games against the Lakers, Brooks is the guy that got all the shots up. And I, I don't think, I don't think I quite would give him the Tony Allen thing in that like Dylan, Tony would just like dribble it off his foot out of bounds. Tony was an elite defender. Like no, no Tony slander meant here, but like, Dylan will, will like attack with the ball. Like he's not just going to be like, Oh, what do I do? You take the ball. Like he's going to do stuff. So I don't think you can just totally Tony Allen him and expect he's just going to stand there. I think he's going to take the shots and that's what the Lakers want, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Taylor impressed me last year by benching Steven Adams. And after the first game, cause I thought we were going to get like two to three Fair. games of Steven Adams, like slowly being phased out. That's what most coaches do. And Taylor was like, not your matchup, my man. Have a seat. Now, Steven's going to be a lot more amicable that than Dylan is. Dylan's going to upset the chemistry, and he's going to he's going to pout and he's going to fume. But I kind of have a lot of faith in in Taylor to play who he needs to play. He's been really good at that. Like that's part of the coaching advantage here. So anyway, it's something interesting to kind of consider. Is um, is Dylan guarding LeBron in this series? And if he's not, then who's guarding LeBron in this series? Santi Aldama, <laughs> perhaps. It's like. Stop. The, the, I mean, stop it. Uh, who's who's uh, I'm thinking of like Lance Stevenson. Remember when Lance Stevenson like blew in LeBron's ear? Was that LeBron back in the day? Yes, like I feel like we're gonna get some of those Dylan Brooks antics. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think we're gonna watch LeBron and Dylan the whole series for better and for worse. Uh, I want to look at this real quick. So, in the regular season, here are the players that played the most on him Dylan Brooks played 35 possessions, LeBron shot two of six from the field, had four assists. Scored five points in those possessions in seven minutes. Uh, Jaron Jackson got a healthy amount of them. Uh, LeBron challenged him a lot more. He shot two of 10 versus Jaron in the regular mm-hmm. season. Desmond Bain, uh, he went three of four against. So sought out that a little bit more. Brandon Clark, he did got some work against. So, yeah. Uh, honestly, it, I kind of wonder if they're just going to play Tillman and put Tillman on a- Anthony Davis and be like, God be with you. Vaya con Dios, Savior. Sorry, but you're the you're the lamb. And then put Jaron on LeBron, which actually probably is going to be, I, I'm sorry to say, but like it'll probably be pretty effective. Like LeBron's not LeBron of four years ago. So that's like, 
I think a pretty sound strategy is like if Anthony Davis hits 15 mid-range jumpers on us, we're going to lose. Like, and we don't hit threes. But contain the threes, contain LeBron, sacrifice Xavier to to AD. Aldama will play some minutes and get and get torched. Um, that to me is probably like the best best approach there. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up. So, Jay, if I said, "Oh, hey, I see you that you're on the Lakers. What's the biggest reason why you're on the Lakers? Give me the elevator pitch for 90 seconds. This is why you should bet the Lakers." Um, the riffs are, have been on them the whole season. It's pretty simple. I mean, I don't need the 90 seconds. You kind of just have to know the script. We know what it is. It seems like they want LeBron to get at least deep into the playoffs. This is one of his, one of his last seasons. Probably not the last, but I've, I've, you know, Matt, I've seen this all year where they're helping out the Lakers, and I've profited a nice amount from it as well. So sometimes you just kind of have to know the script. But um, I think the Lakers have the better overall team, top to bottom. May not have the better coach here, but they definitely have the better defense especially with no Adams um, they have more size they could even go to guys like Mo Bamba in this one but um, I think if they make the Grizzlies play in the half court they that's their path to success in this one uh, Lakers in seven for me okay I don't have I don't think there's a script but I do think that it's impossible for you to look at the free throw rates and think like yeah this makes sense like that's not that's not a thing you can do Brandon what's the elevator pitch for the Lakers to win the series so since February 11th, when the Lakers got all these new guys in, Vanderbilt, D'Lo, Beasley, since then, their profile is their league average offense, they're an elite defense. They are the Grizzlies. Since they traded for these guys, they literally are exact profile of the Grizzlies. They're 15th on offense, second in defense. That's almost identically what Memphis is for the season. The difference is, instead of Jaw, we have LeBron. Instead of Jaron Jackson, we have Anthony Davis. I think the Grizzlies win the series if Jaws is the best player in the series. And maybe he can be. Maybe he can. The numbers have been there at times. But I don't know that I want to bet on it. I think if we have two teams that are mirroring each other, I have to go with the one that I trust more. I trust the Lakers on the glass. I trust their defense. I think if you look at the arc of the season, the Grizzlies are trending down. They're missing their guys. The Lakers are trending up. They've started to figure it out. They've figured out the rotations and got the guys they needed. So I, I love them for that reason. And I think, too, the longer the series goes, the more I'm going to trust the Lakers late in the series. And the longer games go, too. There's one other thing I hadn't mentioned. Fourth quarter, net rating, Grizzlies are minus 5.2 for the season, bottom five. The Lakers are plus seven net rating, top three. Grizzlies are three and six in three-point games. So I think if you get a close game, the longer a game is close, the longer a series is close, the more LeBron is going to be LeBron. And I, I hate to do it because that's my nihilist Lakers thing, but I'm going to look to live bet Lakers in games and close ones and, and live bet, I guess, perhaps the series to, to find ways to close this team out. Question for both of you, Jay. If the, if the line had come out and Grizzlies were plus 125, 130, would you have bet them? Uh no, I'm I'm not betting the Grizzlies in this series uh, to win the series. Regards, I don't care. Cap it could have been plus one fifty. Okay, Brandon, yeah. if the Grizzlies were a plus number, would you bet Memphis? I think if it was enough of a plus number, I'd have to consider it. Just in the fact that the Lakers shook me a little bit enough to to sway my confidence in their profile, and because I like the Grizzlies a lot in Game One, if we get a Grizzlies plus one twenty five and then win Game One. Now I can get a Lakers plus something longer than 125 and then just get out and be like, cool. Well, I'm just going to cash either way with Locked my plus quarter. tickets on either side. So I think that that angle I'd have to consider. 
if I feel good about the game one. Um, I will say this, like I bet Lakers in, in part because they're a plus number. If uh, if Grizzlies were a plus number, I would bet them. I think that this is that close. And I think that saying that Lakers in seven, I think that probably is, is evidence. Like not, none of us think the Lakers are going to smash them. So no. to me, that's indicative of a wide range of outcomes where shot variants, game sevens at home, injury with this Lakers team in particular. I think all those things kind of factor in. My elevator pitch is just the Grizzlies don't have enough bodies to throw at AD. Like Anthony Davis's jumper is is good enough right now, and he's he he loves to play well and flex when he plays teams that don't have a lot of size. That's what he does. That's what he did last night. Like, look how big and strong I am. Yeah, you're dunking on switches versus Carl Kyle Anderson. All right, buddy, settle down. All right, let's move over to the other series. This one will be quicker. I have a feeling um celtics versus hawks in the two seven celtics are huge huge favorites in this series i get why it's just like a little excessive i know it's a play-in tournament team in the east and i know how good the like i've been my all my playoff stuff is like hey look at the celtics look how good the celtics are uh the celtics on fanduel sportsbook in this series are uh, just absolute massive favorites. They're minus 1,000. The Hawks are plus 660 to win the series. The base spread is minus two and a half Celtics, minus 144. Like we are heavily juiced to five or fewer games. Let's go around the table. Brandon, what's your best bet for Celtics Hawks? Yeah, give me Celtics minus two and a half. Give me the minus 140 and I'll sprinkle the sweep a little bit too, plus 280. Jay? Yeah, same thing for me. Uh, Celtics minus two and a half. I cannot bet the series. This is the one series I'm letting myself not bet. I have bets on, I will have bets on every other series. Even Sixers fucking nets, I will have a bet on. This <laughs> one, uh, I cannot bet. We'll get into why. Um, hmm. Brandon, let's start with you on the most important. Yeah, I think the Hawks are going to get murdered on the math here. Atlanta takes the most two-pointers in the league. Celtics two-point defense is very good. Atlanta's effective field goal percentage, offense, 19th, defense, 22nd. Boston is top four in both of those. So they're going to get out-efficiencyed into oblivion, I think. Atlanta is last in three-point attempt rate, bottom 10 in percentage. The Celtics are top five in both of those. So we're going to get crushed on three-pointers. The Hawks don't defend. Two games this uh, season when they played a meaningful game, the Celtics scored easily, just so easily. 66% EFG in those games. They had a 129 offensive rating in those two games. So I don't see how Atlanta's defense gives them any chance. For me, this is the best team in the field versus the worst team in the field. And I don't really care who comes out of the play-ins. I still think that that's probably the case for even with the eight seeds. You think, um, you think the Hawks are worse than the Nets? Uh, no, probably not. That's fair. All right. So we won't say a worst team in the field. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this is a spot. I think Boston has to feel very good about this. I don't know that Miami is going to beat Boston but you don't want to play Butler and Bam and you don't want to grind out that series. Instead, now the Bucks might have to. Instead, you get to kind of rest up, hopefully get take care of business quickly, uh, hopefully not put too many miles on Robert Williams and Al Horford, which is really important because they're going to need them later on. You don't want to have a long grinding Miami series and then play Philly while Philly just coasted through Brooklyn. I think this even the playing field a lot and it just really broke well for Boston. Uh, Jay, what's the most important thing for Celtics Hawks? 
Well, I can say this is the only thing about looking at the full season numbers. The Hawks will start to shoot a lot more threes. Remember, they did get a new coach over there, and he's yeah. that's all he's preaching is to shoot threes and to push the pace. So I do think we'll see a little bit of bit different Hawks team. We saw it yesterday, but um, they just don't play enough defense for me. I, I think it's there for me right there. I mean, the Celtics, this offense is absolutely elite. Now, I will say, now when, when it comes to laying nine points from game to game, I do think that's a little high. There will be spots where the Hawks will cover the spread but lose, lose in a close one just because the Celtics are more evenly matched offensively and defensively here, but um, I could only see the Hawks winning one game, whereas the Celtics, I mean, they could have a bad shoot night and then they can win with their defense or they can get to the paint. Uh, so they have a, a multitude of different ways that they can win a game, whereas the Hawks, they need to make a lot of threes. It's simple. It's as simple as that. If they're not making their threes, um, they could very easily get blown out. I think this series ends 4-1. I don't want any part of this one. Um, most important thing for me, is that I don't know which version of the Hawks shows up. Exactly. So, like, I totally agree on all the things that Brandon said about who they've been and all these things. And then they, that play, like, they tried. The, the Hawks tried. Like, the Hawks, the Hawks series, like, everyone tried really hard. Literally, that's the best Hawks game I've seen all season. That was the best. Now, you could say, like, exactly. That was the best that you got, and the Heat almost won that game. They needed offensive rebounds. Um, the Celtics, I found this is amazing. Celtics are the best uh defensive rebounding team in the league. That's crazy. Yeah. Given that they how small they play. That's wild. But they're a very high effort team. So that takes away the advantage that the Hawks had in that one particular game. Like, here's the thing. Every every angle I can get to with the Hawks is refuted by something with Boston. Yep. Like, oh hey, look, Trey Young played much better in that game and he's motivated because of all the trade talks. The he played drop coverage versus Trey. What the fuck are you doing, Miami? Like literally last year, you annihilated them by switching. You killed them. Trey hates it. He wants space to operate. The Celtics are going to switch everything. Now he might get some points on Al Horford. Al's not as, as quick as he used to be. That might work a little bit, but they're probably honestly going to contain pretty well when they do drop with Robert Williams. They're the best drop team in the league, and you got Marcus Smart coming over on a, a much smaller guy and Trey Young, like. I can get to, I, I I totally let me put it this way. I don't mind that both of you are like, this is gonna be a, an obliteration. I do not mind that at all, right? Like that's where I started. Variance with Boston is extreme. Like when they are not hitting shots, like Jay kind of mentioned, well, if they're not hitting shots, they can still win with defense. I don't know that that's true because they do get affected by when they're not hitting shots, their defense lags. They don't have a lot of games this year where it was like the offense wasn't clicking and their defense won them the game. They have some, but they don't have a lot. Shot variance is like a very big deal here. And if like, basically what I'm saying is, can I see Atlanta having one game where they just play really well and they win? Yes. And one game where Boston shoots really terribly and the Hawks win. Yes. And now we're at two. Like that is entirely doable to me. I don't have enough confidence to bet it. And these numbers are so heavily juiced. Like we're laying minus 140 on the two and a half. The other thing is just that the playoffs in the first round, there's always a little bit of like random inconsistency, right? Like I actually think second round is when we start to see a little bit more of like, this is who you are. I don't think second round is as variant. First round, I think is a little bit variant. I am not confident in Boston's offense enough. Boston's had an elite offense the entire season. It's not like I'm like denying their offensive efficiency. They're the only team in the league that's top five, both offense and defense. They're an infinitely better team. I'm not even saying like this is priced wrong because if I was saying that these were priced wrong, 
then I would inherently have to be like, so I'm betting the Hawks because these yeah. prices aren't right. No, no, this is just sharp as hell. So like, I can't get to a place where I want to put money in on this. Brandon, does that make sense? It does make sense. I, I want to push back a little bit on what you said, uh, like the profile of Boston though. So early in the season, they were, I think, the profile that you're saying, where the offense was just blazing, and if the shots didn't fall, then, uh-oh, well, hey, actually, this is a variance team now. Since then, though, they, they kind of switched back to the Boston that we used to know. Since December 9th, Boston is number one in defensive yeah. rating, but only barely top 10 in offense. But so the defense I has gone, and, and that's basically the Time Lord time. The, so the defense has been great. Also, I know you love the number here. Boston's 30 and one when they make 40% of their threes. Right. Yeah. And I think that you're interpreting that to say, okay, so they're invincible if they all fall, but then they only are like 500 without that. Yeah. But 500 when you're not getting your shots to fall is really good still. And if I lower the number to 35% or better, 35% or better, the Celtics are 41 and six. They're still nearly invincible when they even make 35% of their shots. And three of those losses are by one point and twice in overtime. So do you know who Boston, they're against? I mean, I looked it up before. I don't know off the top of my head now. One of them is the Houston Rockets. So this is the thing is like, sure. those numbers are going to be skewed against teams that can't do anything. And the difference here is you're like, you, you, we can admit this. You tend to put like, if you're not a good team, you're with everyone else in the shit. <laughs> and like, I'm like, no, 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 there's, there's Houston down here. And then there's like a nice middle section where that, where Atlanta is. And, sure. like, and that's my, my, my point here is like, Atlanta is not so no, let me put this. Atlanta has the p capacity to not be so bad that if they don't shoot well, they can't win. Does that make sense? Like it, it does. Can, can Atlanta win a game in Boston? Yes. Okay. See, I don't I don't see Atlanta winning in Boston. And this is why I'll, I'll make a quick case for the sweep here. I think Boston goes up 2-0. And now you're basically just getting the sweep price as game three because I absolutely think that if Boston goes to Atlanta and takes game three, we're done here. Atlanta with the the, the vibes they've had and the Trey Young trade talk and all of that, if Trey is sucking for three games and they're down 0-3, it's done. We are done and out of here. The Celtics step on their throat. Atlanta is 1-2-3 Cancun. So I think that if you like the Celtics as much as, as Jay and I sound like we do, I would put Celtics sweep closer to 35%, so like a plus 180 range. So plus 280, I've got to play that number as well. I just think, I think there's a world where this begins the summer of nightmare for Trey Young, where everyone has just completely just turned on him and left him for dead after Boston's defense kind of obliterates him. And he has a terrible series. And this is, we're like, okay, we got to do this differently with Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, look, so again, I mentioned how like there's there's all these numbers where I can't, <laughs> there's all these numbers where I I can't bet the Hawks, right? Like a lot of this, I will, and some, not a lot. Some of this is feel like some of this is absolutely like, I don't know. I mean, I guess one of the things I would say is like, if you want actually want to ask me where I think the value is, I genuinely think it's on like the series price minus 10,000. I'm just, I don't have any interest in laying, laying, laying <laughs> yeah. the, the minus the, that number or minus 1000. Like I don't have any value. I don't have any interest in laying 10 to one. Like, yeah, I think that's inaccurate. Like, I think that there's like, it's probably higher than that because in like how confident I am Boston wins this series. But I also, it's when we get into the derivatives market that I can't find an angle that I think is satisfactory to what I'm looking for. I, yeah. I just can't find like, yeah, if you want to lay, if, if you said like, well, I laid the minus 1000, I would be like, that's a good bet. Good for you. You will, 
you will get good. They, you got positive EV on that bet. I I don't have any interest in doing that. Um, additionally, in the series, a couple of other notes. Clint Capella. Uh, so let's go into player stuff because I'll say this. Yeah. Um, is going to have to play a lot in the series. It's going to be yep. a test of Quinn Snyder, and it's honestly like a really interesting question of if you're the Hawks and you're trying to transition to Okongwu, and they are, do you like? Do you have the ability to bench Capella for the series? Because that gives you honestly your best shot of winning is going small and playing Okongwu. Capella was minus 33 in net rating in this series, in the season series versus the Celtics. Like it's a it's a nightmare. Um, DeJounte Murray, minus 22. Uh, Jalen Johnson, who had a really good game yesterday, minus 21. Trey was like a much better minus 14. John Collins was minus 10. That's kind of notable. Um, one thing to kind of note here is DeAndre Hunter's numbers are a little bit better in this. He's only a minus eight. Was much worse without him on the floor. Again, we get into these things and it's like, I don't, like, I cannot find a Hawks angle. Search for one, can't find one. Um, I do kind of wonder if Onyeko Kongwu is maybe our play here, or maybe we just take Capella unders versus a dominant rebounding team, and that might be the play. Um, Brandon, I know you have plays on this, but I want to ask Jay. Jay, are there player angles that you think will be relevant in the series? Yeah, I think looking at Sadiq Bey and Bogdanovich threes coming off the bench, they're shooting it at every every chance they get. I mean, you look at yesterday, they were the best three-point shooters. I know that they are the, the bench players, but that's all the more reason. They need scoring from the bench. Um, I think those are the perfect props to look at here. Uh, Trey Young hadn't been shooting the uh, three-point, the three well. I know DeJounte Murray had a good uh, shooting game the other day, but he's not a great three-point shooter. I think Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey have a green light to shoot almost every single time they touch the ball. I think looking at their three-point props are the way to go here Sadiq Bay in the season series versus the Celtics he only played one game after the trade uh plus 10 net rating 130 offensive rating with Sadiq Bay on the floor versus that Boston defense Brandon what are your player angles for the series yeah they're those I'm mad that I didn't get to go first you guys stole my picks so let me just reinforce uh-huh. them instead they're literally exactly Okongwu and Sadiq Bay so yeah I don't think this is a Capella series uh, Capella unders He's not going to get Steven Adams totally off the court because he's going to play. But I think Capella Unders, he only played 39 minutes in those two meaningful games against Boston in the regular season. 39 combined, so under 20 minutes a game. Okongwu had five offensive rebounds, both of those games against Celtics, off the bench in like 20 minutes each. And offensive rebounding has really gone up for Atlanta under Quinn Snyder. I think that's a, a thing that he's been emphasizing there. Okongwu's last 15 games... 13.75 rebounds, almost half of those on the offensive glass. Double-digit points, 13 out of the 15 games. And just a, a simple little same-game parlay, Okongwu, 10.6 rebounds. He's done that in 13 out of 15. And that's being priced closer to like plus 200 the last couple of times I've seen it. So you're going to have to probably play Okongwu props right before tip because they don't list those usually until like the last hour or two since he's off the bench. But I like that a lot. Sadiq Bey. Already made the case on the playing game. And then, man, the guy cashed her money and then some. He hit the over 9.5 in the first half. He hit the, the 15 by the third quarter. Last 10 games, not counting the finale, 14 points a game for him. He had 17 against Miami. Got those nine three-pointers up. Everything Jay said. Boston allows a relatively league average three-point attempts as well. So uh, I'm slightly less high on Sadiq Bay than I was that last game just because uh, part of the angle with Sadiq was that he was taking some of John Collins' minutes in that one, and we saw that last night. I'm not positive that will happen here, 
Um, so I want to keep an eye on that. But yeah, Okongwu overs, Sadiq Bay overs, Capella unders, exactly that. One other angle that's not a player angle, Atlanta, I've noticed, under Quinn Snyder, plus nine and a half net rating first quarter. We saw that last night. They come out really well. And Boston is usually a very good first quarter team. But that could be a spot where, Jay, you mentioned earlier, you know, we're going to get like a Boston minus nine in these games. Well, if I like Boston, but I want to lay the juice, what if we wait out the first quarter and see if Atlanta starts out a little hot, hit some of those shots early, and then maybe we get a, a, you know, a minus six or something like that. I would say, Matt, I did the same thing as you. What's the case? What am I missing? How, well, how do I make a case for Atlanta? What is it? And the best I can come up with is like the Jalen Brown's vase hand thing is, is a thing. Like all of my things fell short. The offensive rebound actually did hold up even against the number one defensive rebound. So that's partly it. Here's my one case for Atlanta. And the one reason why I'm not just playing the sweep Quinn Snyder against Joe Missoula. That's the case for Atlanta. If Quinn, Quinn Snyder was really impressive to me last night, and he's done pretty well with his team. He's got the offense playing better. Those fast starts, to me, that's coaching. They came out last night. They were ready. They took more threes than usual. That's a game script against Miami you want to do. Quinn Snyder is a good coach. We all agree on that. We don't know what Joe Mazzulli is. We haven't seen it in the playoffs yet. So that's why I'm giving Boston a little bit of a cushion here. I think if Atlanta does hang around and surprise us, I think Quinn Snyder is probably the reason why. All right, it's going to do it for Buckets for today. Thanks for joining us in our 2-7 previews. We'll be back tomorrow with Game 1s. We'll do Game 1 best bets, six of the eight games this weekend, since we can't do the 1-8s. Probably find a way to talk about those as well, somewhere in there as well. Uh, on Friday, we'll have a Futures episode. It's going to be me and Brandon kind of breaking down what we think of uh, from a Futures perspective. We'll have that for you as well. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Check all the great content for the NBA playoffs. You can track your bets as well. Follow Jay on Twitter at JMoneyIsMoney. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Wheaton Brando. We'll see you guys again next time. Our thanks to David Payne, our producer. We'll see you again. Let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.